Alright, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Save the Track Bike. I'm your host, Josh, and this podcast is sponsored by Hexagon Cycles. That's hexagoncycles.com. On today's episode, I have Greg Lang. He is a track bike lover, a track cyclist, and an ethnographer. So we talk a little bit about all of that stuff, and yeah, mostly we just nerd out about track bikes, so... It was a really fun conversation, so let's just get to it. <laughs> cool. All right, so we're good? Yeah, you sound good, so. Okay, sounds good. All right, so yeah, uh, my name is Greg Lang. I am. Uh, I live in South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and um, I've been riding track bikes pretty much exclusively for about eight years now. Um I'm not from Philadelphia. I came here by way of Southern California, uh, but actually grew up in upstate New York in a city called Rochester. Um, so yeah, I was like growing up in the cold and the snow and all that business up there, like just uh, south of Toronto on Lake Ontario. And um, yeah, I liked playing soccer and hockey and lacrosse and all that when I was a kid and then got real involved in skateboarding um, when I was about 12 or 13 years old and pretty much did that for like the first... I don't know, 25 years after that. So, um, and, uh, yeah, kind of like got super into riding track bikes, like sometime towards the end of my, like, uh, life as a skateboarder. I don't know if you could call it a career, but whatever I was doing with that, it kind of was like a natural segue into, uh, you know, and from one thing into the next. And, uh, and yeah, I just like, I just love, <laughs> I love everything about track bikes. I think they're one of the coolest and most fun forms of transportation as well as exercise and, um, you know, lifestyle kind of thing that I've ever, I've come across since, uh, since discovering skateboarding as a kid. Yeah. I kind of have a similar background where I, you know, did BMX and, and skateboarding and stuff like that. And then, and it seemed like track bikes were kind of a natural progression from that. Yeah. It was real weird. Like, I mean, I, I tried riding BMX too when I was younger and I was just real bad at it. And it was like, every time I tried to go off a jump or something, it ended real bad. So I kind of like always had this joke with friends like, yeah, I just try to stick to like objects with four wheels. Like whenever I ride a bike or something, it ends up bad. But um, yeah, and it was like for some reason, I mean, I don't remember exactly how I found out about track bikes because I didn't know anybody that rode one. Um, I think I was online one day, like it was like a Tumblr picture or something. And I, um, you know, looked at some hashtags or something and was like, what is this, you know, and quickly was Googling around and then found the mash video and was like shit (laughs) (laughs) i mean you gotta be kidding me like i'm watching this thing and i'm like i had no idea that you could do this kind of thing on a bike like this is pretty dope you know and like people didn't look like bikers you know they looked like people that i hung out with you know and like it was a different thing and so i wanted to try it so my um my neighbor gave me a like a schwinn traveler road bike and like the first thing i did was like google like uh how to like uh what do you call it um like convert a conversion it, you know? yeah <laughs> and like the first thing that comes up is like some kids did the same bike i was like yo like this is so cool so i just went and bought a wheel like a back wheel and went behind my house so i had a little alley back there like no foot retention no nothing and just went back there and rode it and it was like one pedal and i was like hooked i was like this is exactly what a bike should feel like to me like this feels like skateboarding on a bike. You know what I mean? It like felt 
it felt right. And so it was kind of like, honestly, like first title, I was like, this is what I want to do now. <laughs> yeah, dude, I feel you. I kind of had the same exact experience. And if I remember in your email correctly, your first track bike was the same as mine. Your first like actual track bike. <laughs> do you want to uh, talk Kilo about TT. that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, well, I had that Schwinn and, um, that the life of that bike lasted me about a month. I, uh, I was out riding a lot and then I got hit on my way home from work one day, a car like turned left in front of me. And, um, being a like, you know, amateur hour at the time, I, uh, I made the mistake of like, you know, that, that everybody says not to make. And I, I collided with the car and all that ended bad, but it was like, it was a crazy thing because I had like, I still had sponsors and skateboarding and stuff. And I was like, I can't be getting hurt like this. You know, I need, I have other things I need to do, you know? So I, uh, I decided I was like going to take a step back and it took like a year. I decided I was going to give myself a year to like heal up and deal with all the lawsuit and all the stuff we had to go through. And, uh, and then if I was still into it a year later, I was going to buy another bike. So that actually gave me the time to do the research to figure out like what to buy. So I uh, kind of ended up with the Kilo TT ordered from Bikes Direct and uh, bought like the gray stripper one with no logos on it or anything, you know. And uh, and yeah, I just basically like just started like, you know, taking parts off it and setting it back up like right away. You know, it was, uh, it was a really cool like just uh, – I knew right away too with that, like this is a real track bike, you know, like, well, it's not real, but it had the right geometry because yeah. I could feel it right, right when I wrote it, I was like, okay, this is a different monster. Like, I think I like got pedal strike and toe overlap, like the first night I wrote it and fell on like a parking curb and all that, you know, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was always like a lot of falling down and trying to figure out how to like, you know, how to control this thing and how to ride it right and, and you know, trying to figure out how to skid and all that kind of stuff was just like just a fun adventure, like being out in the middle of the night trying to figure this stuff out. But I love that. I love that bike, but it was a little bit too small for me. I have uh, I had a, like a 50 centimeter one, so I ended up uh, selling it sometime later. And uh, yeah, I still have pictures of it. Still think about that thing all the time. Yeah, one thing I've never really done on this show that I think would be fun is just kind of like. So we started at that that Mercier Kilo TT off Bikes Direct. So what was your progression of bikes from there? (laughs) (laughs) All right. It happened quick because, like, I bought a Bianchi Pista, the black and red steel Pista from this dude on Craigslist. And he had put, like, a king headset in it and put an all-city fork on it, white all-city fork, and, like, basically went to that dude's house and snatched it up like as quick as I could. And I know it was a little bit, it was like a 51. So I still have that bike. I still ride it every day. Like it's crazy. Like I love it. And I think it's bent too. It doesn't ride straight when you take your hands off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, I bought that, uh, probably a few months later, I don't know. And just started building that up. And then not too long after that, I bought a Chinelli Vigorelli, the 2011, um, it's like a, the black, it was like all black with the C on the down tube and like the yellow on the fork. And, um, yeah, basically just started like, you know, plug and play, switching parts around and stuff. And, um, just really loving that. And then like, I think about a month after buying that frame, I bought a Celeste Super Pista. So I quickly started to amass like a collection of track bikes, um, within like the first five or six months or the first year. I don't know. My, uh my concept conception of time is really warped. So I, I have trouble <laughs> remembering exactly like when things happen, but it was real quick. 
And it was at the time I bought that Super Pistol when I realized I was like, all right, I got to own this shit now because people are going to call me out and I'm going to be a poser if I don't really like start figuring out how to like run this shit pretty good. And I started entering Alley Cats like pretty, pretty much right after that and started trying to ride farther. I had already done a metric century, so I had a little bit of stuff going, but I really started to feel like, you know, I'm going to get called out here. I better like get my, you know, I better get some skill, a skill set going, you know what I mean? Before, uh, before somebody catches me slipping, you know? (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And then from there on out, I, I started buying, you know, I have, I have five track bikes now and I just bought another frame the other day. So, and one's, you know, crumpled up that Celeste super pissed that got ran over by a Uber driver that last November. So that thing's a crumpled up mess now. So I lost that. It's like, my baby's gone, you know? So yeah. like, <laughs> that's such a bummer. Yeah. It was like really sad sight to see the thing underneath the car getting dragged down the street as they came to a skidding halt <laughs> while I'm laying there going, I can't believe I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the bike's dead. <laughs> no. So, um, so what did yeah, you just so pick then, up? I just bought a Dolan precursor. From, oh, uh, nice. Retrogression. And um, that guy, uh, Scrod, that works there was like, that dude's super cool. And he sold me, I guess because they sell Alpina forks too, he sold me just the frame. Because I have, uh, I kind of like started hoarding track forks, like 30 and 35 rake um, track forks because I'm afraid they're going to go away. <laughs> Not going to be able to find them anymore. <laughs> so I have I have some laying around um, here at the house. So I didn't need a fork. So I just bought the frame, got it like real cheap. So I was pretty hyped to be able to, you know, take some of the, the parts that are still um, intact from the other build and, uh, and put it on this one. I think all I had to buy was bottom bracket. I was good to go. Nice. So what's your plan on uh, on building that one up? Like what crank set are you going to go with, wheels, all that stuff? Um, well, I bought a Mike, uh advanced crank set for my girl that she also rides the bikes with me. And um, it didn't fit on her frame for some reason. She's like, uh, a little short, so she rides like a 43 with 650c wheels. It's like these bikes are dope. They're like she's got this little felt that's like gotta be the stiffest thing on the planet. Nice. And um, yeah, she rips on it. And like uh, when I ended up buying this crank set, but it it caught the chainstays um, when I put it on. So I ended up taking a set of Omniums I had off another bike because I felt bad and um, switched them with hers. So I've had this these Mike cranks sitting around for a little while. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to use them. Like, I don't know. People say they're no good or they're, they're good. I don't know. I don't, I don't know anymore. Like <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell what's good or bad anymore. I just start riding things and if it feels good, it feels good, but it'll be a nice like deviation. Cause most of my bikes have like Omniums with like the, the King outboard bottom bracket, which is like, it's a one of the best setups I think you can get. But um, besides like, you know, loose ball bearing and JS stuff, but like, um, I just figured since I had them here, I didn't want to spend a lot of money building up another bike. I just wanted to try to take parts I had and put it all into this one. And that way, um, hopefully I'm not going to like, I want it to kind of just be like a street ripper, you know, just riser bars and, you know, mountain titles and all that kind of thing. And just like, you know, not one I'm planning on taking on a long ride or try to race with or something like that. So, um, yeah, and just like Thompson bits, and you know, I got some like old H plus sun formation face wheels I could put on it with some old all city hubs you know just basic stuff you know nothing uh nothing out of the out of the out of the outer space 
spectrum <laughs> those things you know hey i think that's all but, right uh, none of my stuff is either so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i have i have uh i have another super pista the italian flag one and um nice which i bought i bought by saving money because i quit smoking after my first alley cat i smoked cigarettes for like 20 years and then that got me to quit because i was so sick and so screwed up and kind of realized that if I was going to do this, I wasn't going to be able to smoke too. So I kind of made a goal to quit and then I could start again when I'm 80. Um, and then just started saving all that money that I was spending on cigarettes. And then I ended up buying a new frame in a year. So I got that. And then I bought a Brother Swift, um, the gunmetal gray one, um, about a year ago. I think it was like last summer. So it's really dope steel, um, just, you know, basic steel like track bike that it just uh, – it's it's got its own way of riding and then uh my pride and joy of ever is a 2010 langster s-works langster that i bought um from this 80 year old track racer on ebay and it's really cool because my dad's last nickname was langster when he was a kid my last name's lang and then i was also nicknamed langster when i was a kid and so it was just kind of a interesting thing that like if there's a bike that had your dad's and your nickname, you kind of have to buy one. So um, I ended up finding one on eBay and bought it from this dude, Tomases, that lives down in Florida who'd been like racing track for like 40 years or something. And uh, it was just cool to meet this guy and buy this bike from him and have it. And it's just like that's the one that that's the one that goes to T-Town when I get to go and <laughs> it's it got heavy pedal wheels on it and all the bells and whistles and it just is lighter than hell and it, it just flies, man. Thing is so fun. Just put like a giant gear on it and just try to turn it, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So what's your history yeah. with uh Alley Cats and track racing? Um, well I uh I kinda really started around the time that I started riding, I instantly kinda wanted to go farther and my explorative like wanderlust, you know, really set in. And um, I knew I had started hearing about alley cats and just started looking them up online and just finding out that, you know, there's a pretty deep, like, heritage and messenger community here in Philadelphia. Like, there's some pretty OG guys, and um, they were still running some alley cats and stuff. So I just started um, trying to go to them, and um, the first one I rode was this one called The Works, and it was like a hoagie-themed alley cat where, like, I think at one time you actually had to go buy like a hoagie or something and like um, get the works or something, which is like a, a type of sandwich that you can buy, I guess, a hoagie sandwich. For all those listening that don't know what a hoagie is, a hoagie is just a sub sandwich from Philly, looks we call them here. So, um, so yeah, that was the first one. And I've done like a handful of others and I still have yet to win. I got fourth place in the second uh, works alley cat, which is like, that was the first one that killed me. I stopped smoking and all that, and I just made this determined goal. I was like, I'm going to come back next year. I'm going to fix all my mistakes because you get lost, and you're, like, tired, and you start going out of your mind, and, like, things make no sense in the middle of the day, and you're you're racing people. You don't know where they are in the world, and you're just, like, trying to find things all over the city and, like, not run into cars or get hit or whatever, and all this crazy stuff just happens to you that I think is just a really great experience, like, as a – a cyclist in the city it just it, it like just that's a beautiful kind of a way to a race it just encompasses so many things that i think uh you know go into that kind of racing that you you're you're not really aware of until you do it but we also have like 
the Cranksgivings here that, you know, it's not really a race. It's more of a charity. So we just kind of like go ride them and hang out and have a good time. And, um, there's like, uh, guys throw like random ones here and there for like their friends that get hurt or there's like, uh, you know, so I just try to like, if I see one and it's happening, like, you know, once we were hanging out this like bike expo party they had here and this guy, Joel's coming around. He's like, anybody want to race my alley cat? Like, sure. You know, like throw in five bucks and go race it and, you know, there's only like five people running around, but it's still fun, you know, so it's just like something to do, a little bit different thing to do with your evening that, you know, makes you feel good at the end of the night for, you know, putting putting down some miles and trying to push yourself on your bike a little bit, you know. But, um, but yeah, I uh, I, sound, I started the track thing because I, I wanted to go up there and race, and I know that, like, I'd heard, you know, and looked up online that, you know, Trexler Town, or T-Town for short, is, is about an hour and a half theoretically an hour and a half from from philly actually takes more like three hours to get there with traffic and all but um it's like this world-renowned velodrome you know what i mean like it's like um it's like going there your first time it would be like if you were a little kid and you threw your first baseball pitch at like yankee stadium you know it's that with like lou gehrig there or something you know because like marty nostein has like multiple gold medals and I go up there the first time for this thing they do, try the track day. And it's like, uh, you just basically go ride and they, they run you through a bunch of drills and they take, talk to you about the rules and, you know, what's going on and with the, with the track and stuff like that. And you just get to ride and, um, and you're riding with these dudes, you know, these guys are like, they're like world famous track racers and you're riding with them the first time you do it. So you're just like, this place is awesome, you know? So <laughs> I tried to do that. Um, I did that a couple times. And I wanted to go do this. They have this Air Products development class, um, which Air Products, I guess, is just the sponsor that, that helps them put it on. Um, that's like a month-long um, track racing development class they do in the summertime. And I've always wanted to do it, but I was working full-time for a while. And then, um, you know, it's like Monday and Wednesday that starts at like 6 to like 9 in the evening. And, you know, getting up there after work was impossible. So last summer... I had the chance to do it I'm, I'm in graduate school now. So I finished all my coursework and I finished all my exams and everything that I had to do. So now I'm like the, in the ABD stage to write my dissertation and um, I had the time to do it. So I was like, you know, it's, Annie and I have only have one car. So I was like, um, unfortunately she was un, unemployed last summer due to a workers compensation injury. So she was like, yeah, take the car, go ride. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this. So I ended up doing, two months of the classes uh with the same group of people all summer and then it was really cool because at the end of the summer um that the like the last day that they had professional races on friday nights is the night they do like the big time races with like i don't know name anybody like people from like trinidad tobago and guys from portland and guys from england and netherlands track teams there and all these people that i don't remember their names but like you know uh, one guy that comes to mind, this guy Zach Kowalczyk, I think, is trying to. I think he's trying to go to the Olympics in 2020, but he's there racing like Madisons and stuff. And so they did a race for us, as well as all the little kids and everybody that did the program that summer. And then they got to the end and they did like the adult thing. And then uh, of course this guy, this guy up there that is like a monster, basically like made for track racing, like shows up his first day like cat six, and all of a sudden he's like or cat five and all of a sudden he's like cat four like that day they're just like okay just go (laughs) 
So anyway, he he whooped the shit out of all of us. But I think I got like third or fourth. I think I got fourth place that night too. Cause like, um, but yeah, it was just super fun. So now it's like, um, try to buy a license and try to get up there on some Saturdays when they do like the amateur races, like the Category Five races, and just try to um, race a bunch of times and see if you can like you know move up or whatever, or try to get some wins, or at least just go hang out up there and have fun. And everybody's really nice. Everybody's really like you know um just into it you know what i mean like everybody's just like stoked on track racing and it's like kind of fun because it's a little bit different than being out in like the philadelphia streets and like you know racing through one ways in south philly where you get up there and all of a sudden you're like all right i'm not scared anymore like i know i'm not gonna die (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be pretty cool so you just try to you know try just try to get up there and like push myself and see see what i can get out of it you know but I'm such, like, an unorthodox athlete that, like, I don't really know how to train. I don't really know. I mean, I get on my rollers and ride or whatever, but I don't really know what I'm doing. And I don't really like coaches. You know, I don't really like people telling me what to do. It's like it's like the skater in me, you know what I mean? Like, I, that'll never leave. So it's like I, I just kind of try to have as much fun with it and do my best. But at this point, like, I mean, I'm 43 years old. I don't know if – I don't know what else I'm going to get out of myself, but at least I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep playing sports, you know what I mean, to some – degree to like keep myself in shape and keep myself active and having fun and you know keep the mind young and stuff you know i'm in a similar spot too because i'm kind of i have a rough time like wanting to like have a coach and have a structured training and all that kind of stuff so i'm just like get on my bike and ride and i have a computer and stuff and a bike computer and i'll you know track some things and i have an idea of things that can be helpful But for me, it's just about, like, I don't really care if I ever win a race. I'm not very competitive. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. But I like challenging myself, and that's what's the most interesting to me. And and I just love riding bikes. It's just so much fun, and I love being around bikes. And and I love being at events like fixed gear crits or, or... at the track because everybody is just like from so many different backgrounds but it's just like well we're just riding yeah it's it's uh it's also fun too because you get to i like i think for me like i get to hear about like the like you get to hear the word like the descriptions and the words and and people from like the heritage of it almost talk about it where you know i kind of came into track biking like you know messengers did their thing and then people found out about track bikes and then i was one of those people you know and then i never really came in came into it from like a official sort of cycling background or something you know like no one in my family ever rode bikes other than just like for fun or leisure whatever no one in my family ever raced anything you know my dad played basketball he was really good at it but that's a whole different you know set of skill set and type of different in type of sport you know and i never like you know, people don't really race skateboards unless they're going downhill, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, it's a different thing. And so it's kind of fun to hear about it. Like, you know, like, there's, like, words like like chiming, they call when, like, the bike racks back and forth when you're riding, you know, and, like, yeah. like, little terms like that that I just thought was, like, oh, that's really cool to know. Like, how would I have ever known that? You know, you don't, you can't read that on the online. You can't find out about that hanging out with your friends like riding around and it's like it's just really kind of i guess warming to kind of like be around people that have a long background in it like there's this one guy up there he's like the mechanic that takes care of all the bikes and he's got this old steel huffy like 
the type of bike you never see, you know, and he gets up there and he rides and some of these guys are like 60 years old and they're still riding and they, they have races for them. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see that. It's just like, okay, this is something you could do for the rest of your life. If, as long as there's like tracks around, you know what I mean? And it's, it sucks. There's not more of them around because, you know, it's uh they were trying to get one in Philadelphia, but it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to happen because of the location they wanted to put it on. But, and I knew it wasn't going to happen. We are going to meetings and stuff trying when they were trying to get it done. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this would be so cool to have, but the city's just not ready for it, you know? And that's, uh, that's kind of in one, in one sense, a little, a little sad, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well then you kind of realize, okay, well now I'm one of those people that has to work towards getting something like this, you know, or more of them around, you know, like, so that people are aware of what, what track cycling is and how much fun it is. And it's so fun to watch. Like, Oh yeah. Like the race, the race is, what's that? Yeah. It was just, yeah. It's just like, it's so fun to watch. It's so exciting and it's so fast. And the fact that it's not like a huge sport anymore, like it was in like the early 1900s or something is like beyond me. I mean, it's probably, we could, we could probably theorize that the automobile was the death of, you know, American bike racing. But like, I mean, I, from what I understand, it's a pretty, it, it was pretty heavily entrenched in the United States as like an American sport at one time. And that like, um, it's like, you know, and talking in terms of like, you guys have talked before about how like crit racing is like a really good spectator sport. And I agree, but at the same time, there's aspects of the track, you know, you can't see the whole thing cause you're not looking at it like from bleachers or something, you know, where like you go to a velodrome, you can actually see the whole race happening all the time. And like something like a hundred lap Madison is like, what the hell? You know, it's just crazy madness. And there's people swinging themselves all over the place. And uh, I remember going and watching the races with Annie one night. She's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, just pick one team and watch them. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll, and then the whole rest of the race will kind of like come become more clear because you'll see, you know, where they are in relationship to other people, you know, sort of a thing. But, but it's crazy. It's like $6 to go in. Like beers are like two fifty three dollars. You could buy pierogies, you can get fries, you can do whatever. You just sit in the stands and just watch like world class Olympic athletes race their bikes. <laughs> I don't know any other sport you can do something like that and have that kind of evening, like that caliper of an evening, you know, for six dollars. Yeah, know? that's for real. I mean, we have two velodromes here in Colorado, within like an hour and a half from me and Mm -hmm. and just like i'm very fortunate for that but i don't take advantage of it enough and i need to because watching like an an elimination race or watching an omnium or or not omnium watching a kieran race or or just even like the match sprints or anything is just incredibly exciting yeah yeah and and i think the really cool thing about it is that like there's there's a race for everyone and there's a class for everyone. Like you could be anybody and go there and race. It doesn't really. You don't have to be the best. You could still, you know, get a get a license for the day and go enter a couple races, and and you're still gonna get something out of it, even though you're not like category one, you know, like Gregory Boge, like Olympic sprinter or Chris Hoy or something like that. You're just, you know, Joshua Labora. I want to go race my bike. You could do that. You know what I mean? And I I don't think a lot of people know that you could just be you can be whoever and go and, and, and get in it. And, um, and you know, there's like, usually there's like some stipulations with velodromes that I think is a good thing where like, like I know there's 
one north of here in New Jersey, and you have to spend time taking like a class before they'll let you race at all. Um, I think T Town isn't quite that strict. Like they'll let you get in like some Cat Six races and stuff. But it's good to like. I think it's good to like learn to ride in a pace line. It's good to learn to ride in a pack, and it's good to like learn how to, you know, when the when like a Kieran race and the sprint happens, like how to kind of strategize and position yourself a little bit because. The thing that I get concerned about, like, with the crit racing stuff is that, like, it, it's great that it's all-inclusive, but that's also a little bit scary, you know, because I don't know who I'm racing with. I don't know what their ability on a track bike is, and I know that it took me a good year of falling down and being a bloody mess to figure out how to do it right, you know what I mean? And I kind of want to ride around people that are, like, still on their beginning bloody mess stages, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Talk a little bit about Philadelphia and... You are in your, you're getting a, uh, you're doing your dissertation, right? Yeah, well, yeah, so I'm writing my dissertation on cycling. And um, specifically, I'm writing about cycling safety and what uh, academics call agency, which is, to kind of define it loosely, is uh, the ability for human beings, people, to make change. And um, I suppose I should take a moment and take a step back here. Um, so I have a background in anthropology. Um, I'm an ethnographer, which is I write by that's a a stance on my research um, um, methods, and I write narratives about social groups. So I used to write about skateboarding, um, different things like authenticity and um, you know how skateboarders get around for different reasons. So I really infatuated with cities and transportation uh, systems and how people kind of like navigate that and create sort of like mental maps in their head that um allow them to like you know confidently get around the the city for one way you know in one way or another for whatever they're going to do and um you know being so involved in cycling um i mean specifically track cycling for me i that's that's really the kind of the end all be all of cycling for me but i know that i don't live in a vacuum you know so i um there's other people that do other stuff so i started writing about how do people get around town doing whatever they do, but they're commuting to work or they're riding for errands or they're doing it for uh, sport or fun or like to go hang out with their friends or whatever, whatever their, their purpose for going out and riding their bikes is or are. Um, I write about like the stuff that they do to make sure that they get there safely. Um, the, and that goes from the decisions from what bike to ride Um what the stuff is they bring with them, how do they carry it, what are the decisions that they make to do that, um, what's like the process like that you're when you're getting ready to go, you know, do you put air in your tires, do you like say a prayer, I don't know, do you always wear your helmet, you know, everybody's got their own processes for things, you know, and um, and then once they're out there, what do they do, like what routes do they take, do they deal with bike lanes and infrastructure and that kind of thing or not, do they, how do they position themselves in the road, what do they do when they're approached by a driver, um, all kinds of things like that. And um, and I'm trying to put together this research project that kind of like constructs narrative about, well, you know, how all the different people that I've observed or interviewed or um, been around, um, that how they do that. And, um, and that's different than, you know, track cycling and fixed gear and stuff like that. Like we kind of have our own, I guess sometimes I think about it like we're a bit, we're a little bit um, seemingly crazy, even though I think that once you learn how to ride fixed gear, it's, probably one of the safest bikes you could ride um but um but at the same time you know there's you know 
like I said, there's all kinds of other people doing it their way too. So, um, so yeah, I've been writing about that and, uh, that's kind of like, you know, I guess, you know, to put it, to put it in a very general terms, like that's kind of, kind of where I am with my, my research. And so I, uh, you know, I do a lot of interviews and I do, I go on a lot of like, uh, group bike rides. Like we have like a pretty, um, our scene here is kind of growing. We, there's usually like four bike rides a month and, um, they're all kind of the same where it's like people meet up. Everybody likes to meet up at that art museum where like Rocky ran up the stairs and Rocky, the Rocky movies. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> there's a statue there. So everybody meets at the Rocky steps usually. And then they ride out to like, uh, take a route to like a midpoint, like usually a park or something like that. And everybody hangs out, like talks and socializes and like drinks beers or whatever. And, um, does some track stands or something, whatever they want to do. And then we ride usually to a bar at the end and then, you know, people kind of break off from there or something like that. So I go on those and, you know, observe people and, you know, not like write about them specifically, but like about like the patterns and things like that, that I've, I've seen. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of like what my, you know, as a social scientist, that's what I do. Um, that's kind of like what my, uh, my research is kind of based on and how I do it and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I um, thought I that, really just, I think the reason why I brought that up and thought it was so interesting is because I have the same kind of history, you know, riding track bikes for like 10 years and not even necessarily that it has anything specifically to do with track bikes, but a lot of people on here that are listening to this, you know, commute to work on their bikes. We go on group rides and a lot of us, most of us live in cities and mm-hmm. thinking about the infrastructure and like you said, like choosing routes and stuff like that is like something that, you know, I still deal with every day, you know, rode my bike to work, mm-hmm. you know, my work moved. So now I'm like doing that thing again where it's like, all right, which streets am I going to take to get down there? And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. so whenever you mentioned that in your email, I thought that that was like such an interesting thing that you're studying just cause it's like a lot of us who ride track bikes live in cities and we, and we're around all kinds of different vehicles throughout the day moving through the city. So, so yeah, I just, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And it can really like change things a lot. Like I've, um, I've heard stories of people that like, you know, they took the same route every day and they had something happen. So then they changed their route or like, you know, getting a new job. It's almost like you have to like go out on the weekend and ride a route to see how long it takes you to get there on a nice day. And then you kind of have a gauge to like how you're going to do it at another time. You know what I mean? And then like, I remember my, my buddy was looking for like a new job cause he wanted to ride his bike to work, you know? And it's like, he's, he's like, my commute's too far. I don't want to drive. I want to ride my bike. And I'm like, that's a thing. Like that's, that's significant. You know what I mean? And like my route that I was taking all the time, like I got hit on it. I got hit on my way to work. And I was like, now I'm like taking another route, you know, or sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take the train because and like, I love, riding my bike as much as I can and that one little thing like that can happen to people is like that's a big deal that have that rearranges people's lives quite a bit so like it kind of really all started like this whole thing really all started like because I've I've been hit by four cars twice skating which was those times were definitely my fault like without a doubt and not nearly as bad as like the first time I was hit on a bike which was like there was a lot of injuries and like post-concussion syndrome and all that kind of business that came along with it. I wasn't wearing a helmet. Like I have a scar on my face because of it. Like I live with that, you know? And like now 
um, when I do these things, I have a really good awareness of like what what happens. But like I also get it. Like I still go ride and don't wear a helmet. You know what I mean? Even though I know, <laughs> I know the consequences. I know the deal. You know what I mean? And it's like, but everybody's like like kind of like that. Where like we want to have these like lifestyles where we can do these things. But there's like like crazy stuff happening to people, and people are making all kinds of crazy decisions good or bad, whatever they might be, because of that. And, like, I've, I mean, I've told people, like, because of my interaction with drivers and automobiles and stuff, I can't even think if I rode, if I drove a car like I rode a bike, like, I'd never be able to have a license. Like, I'd be, like, the biggest menace in the street, like, tearing around and, like, just doing things to get out of the way. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm going over to that way, like, I'm going to take this line because I just need to get out of this situation. And, I don't really know what, I mean, I've ridden in New York a little bit and I've ridden up where I grew up in Rochester, which isn't nearly like the kind of traffic we have here in Philadelphia, but it is just crazy here. It's just madness. And so, um, so yeah, pretty much every time you go out, you're going to run into something. And so you kind of have to like prepare yourself for it. And I know people that have like, you know, I've been talking to that are like in tears about like in fear, you know, that they're that scared to just go do something they really enjoy to do. You know, and it's almost like if you could pick them up and drop them on a trail, like we have this long trail that goes from like, I don't know, Philadelphia all the way out past Valley Forge. That's super fun to ride. You know, you can put in like 50, 70 miles just riding on a trail. But to get there, you have to go through all these streets and all this stuff, you know, that that is a little bit of a struggle to get out there. And, you know, there's people that just, you know, they drive their car out to the trailhead and get out with their car or their bike and then go ride and put in a bunch of miles and stuff just because they don't want to deal with it. And it's like, that sucks. You know what I mean? When I really think about that, like that's a real big bummer that people have to do that. And like, there's no one to really blame. It's just the way things are here right now. And um, people are trying to figure out ways to deal with that. And no one's really sure what to do and all that kind of thing. Cause cities, you know, I think, I think every city in the United States is dealing with this kind of struggle because cities are changing people. You know, like, what is it like millennials don't want to drive as much as, generations before them and so we're having to like face how to deal with new types of infrastructure so that you know it's like a public health issue you know people you don't want people to get killed and so kind of right in the middle of all that you know kind of a thing and it's just it's just uh my kind of way my take on like the way i've kind of found myself in the middle of it you know but my own struggle and then looking at looking out at it and looking at talking to other people being like oh well you know it's nice to know i'm not alone here but like wow there's a crazy phenomenon happening uh, with people that ride bikes in the cities, you know? Yeah. What are some of your favorite findings? Um, or maybe not I, favorite I like, isn't the best word, but most interesting. <laughs> I, I like it. I like the, uh, it's really fun for me to hear people talk about how they like position themselves. Like, like, I was like one guy that I've talked to, um, is like, you know, always talking about, you know, um, defining your space, like, like posturing in a sense where it's like, I'm here, like I'm going to put myself directly in front of you. So you have to deal with me, you know, and that could have consequences as well. Like if you have someone that's real aggressive and, you know, um, tailgating you or whatever, which, which will happen um, because we have these one way streets here and there's like a car parked on the right and left. And then there's like one lane in the middle and there's a little bit of space on the right and left between the parked car and the traveling car where, some people ride but there's a danger zone there because you know you could get doored or you could get buzzed and i mean it's literally like a three-foot space when someone's passing you so what a lot of people will do is just stay right in the middle 
And that way, um, you know, from block to block, the, the drivers have to deal with you. And if you get, you know, someone really aggressive behind you or whatever, try to like finish out that block and pull over and then move on out. But, um, I mean, I've talked to people that like absolutely just block that and don't let people buy, you know, and a lot of the stuff, yeah, we're dwelling on some of the bad things or whatever, but there's also good things, you know, where people are just learn how to like, you know, I've learned to put air in my tires. You know, I've learned to like, you know, um, uh, you know, I've, I bought this amazing backpack and now I can like carry all this cool stuff with me or whatever, you know, and, um, things like that where people, I think just start to learn like, you know, how small the city actually becomes once you start riding a bike and how in- intimate it becomes like riding through it, you know, and just that kind of like mapping that you create in your mind about like your favorite routes. Like, Oh, I got this really fun route that I rode. It was really, you know, peaceful or fast or whatever it might be, you know, um, those kinds of things are like the more positive I think findings and things that come out of it um, that uh, that really like are also fascinating, you know. Yeah, I I think one of the best experiences on a bike I've ever had is just riding at like midnight on like a Tuesday night, nothing's going on, and just how different a city can feel in that moment. I just think that's a that's just like an incredibly powerful thing that you don't get whenever you're in a car or you know, sleeping. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I completely agree. Like we have this big park here called Fairmount park and it's, um, and it's, there's a whole network of roads and trails and all kinds of things. A lot of people ride mountain bikes up there. And, um, there's this big Creek called the Wissahickon and all this stuff. Um, but I go right up there late at night sometimes and, um, uh, it's seen all kinds of cool wildlife. Like one once I had a deer running down the, the street next to me, like not next to me, but like they're on the, you know, it's in the grass or whatever. And I'm on the road and I look over and it's like, it's like pacing with me, you know? And I was like, how else are you going to have that happen? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that's a, that's a really cool thing to have happen that like you're, you're vulnerable too. like, you're looking at it and it's, it's right there. It's a big animal. Um, you know, it's not necessarily trying to hurt you, but like, I don't know. I've never had that happen in a car. I've not, I don't run. Maybe it could happen to runners. I don't know. But like, I just felt like, you know, seeing something like that was like really, uh, I guess, a, you know, like that kind of an experience where like, oh my gosh, like, like that was a, that was a, you know, a fun night. I think that's a good place to end it, you know, on a nice note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is yeah, there anything else you want to say before we head out where people can find you or? Um, yeah, well, let's see. Um, I kind of wanted to touch a little bit like, so, um, we got a little, um, cycling crew here in Philly. It's like a fixed gear only kind of ride that we're doing every first Sunday. It's like Green Division Projects is our little label. And um, and uh, we have a little club on Strava, so we're doing that. Um, you can find us there if anybody's around in Philly and they want to try to ride track bikes with us. It's a um, pretty fun little uh, Sunday rides we do. Um, I can be found on Instagram. I don't use Facebook or any of that, but uh, we have a Green Division Project Instagram. It's like green dot division dot projects. Um, also, like an old ass website from when we were. A, it was originally a skate company, but I won't go into that. Um, so yeah, there's that. I also like Greg dot Lang dot Philly on Instagram, but I'm pretty inactive on there. So if anybody goes on to look for it, they might um, be disappointed. But uh, but yeah, just like to give shout outs to like all my homies the green division crew um josh um kenny denny sean tyler my, my buddy tyler lynch and you know um those guys are all like you know people i wanted to shout out here and actually like 
you know, all the people that are riding track bikes, MASH, Macaframa, like, Cadence Clothing, all those people that are doing dope stuff to, like, make this scene what it has become, like, mad respect. Um, always super stoked on everything those guys do. And, uh, you know, all the crit racing and everything that's going on. But, like, you know, realistically, like, Josh, like, you're the man for doing this. Like, so you get the biggest shout-out because, honestly, like, you – you know, I, re I reached out to you not knowing how this would work because I'm not really, you know, I've, I haven't been in any videos. I haven't won any races. I'm not racing crit. You know, I'm not, I'm not that, that super guy, you know, um, we can only have one Chaz Christensen around, you know what I mean? But yeah. like, uh, and that's all good. Like that dude's awesome. But like, you know, I was really stoked that you, you let me, um, you, let me come on here with you. So like big shout out to you for like putting it out there um and uh yeah keep doing the podcast and it's super dope and we'll keep listening from the sidelines you know what i mean hopefully we'll run into you someday and we can all like you know grab a coffee or a beer or something like that and catch up hell yeah thanks for reaching out man yeah man thank you um uh, i'm looking forward to hearing it when it comes on <laughs> All right, that does it for another episode of Save the Track Bike. Thank you guys so much for your support. And thanks to Hexagon Cycles for sponsoring the podcast. That's hexagoncycles.com. Thank you to fixgearcrit.com. Uh, visit us on Instagram at Save the Track Bike, savethetrackbike.com. The theme song is Slag Girl by Vitamin Pets. And we'll see you next time.